Welcome to the Tech Leaders Talk Show, where we get to speak to those on the forefront of the technology world on a personal level. We dive into their careers, some of the challenges they faced and how they've overcome them. Please help others find the show by rating us on your favorite podcast engine. Good afternoon and welcome to Tech Leaders Talk Show. I'm your host, Ernst Pelser. Today we chat with Mirai Taifun. Mirai is the CEO of Vivu. She was also awarded the top 10 CEOs in healthcare awards in 2018. Mirai, welcome to the show. Hi, Ernst. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Thank you so much. Thank you. It's going well. So, Mirai, we'll, as always with the show, we start with just four very quick fire fun questions. So, are you ready? Yeah, sure. Let's start. Awesome. Favorite food? Uh, lasagna, I think. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> I don't know. It's like a Garfield's answer. I think it has so many like different versions you can cook and it, it can change a lot. Like in Italy, you can eat a version. In America, you can eat a version. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so you're a fan of Garfield? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a fan of Italian, I think. <laughs> yeah. I used to love Garfield when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. You don't really see him around anymore. No, no, no. Kids watch different stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite pet? Um, uh, horse. Horse. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Right. Your childhood hero and why? Oh, it was Madame Curie because I, I, I read her in one of the science books and she was so iconic. Like she, she died for science. I know it sounds so wrong, but as a kid, I told myself, I'm going to die for science. Like it, it, it sounds so heroic back then because I didn't know what it meant to die, I guess. But it was Madame Curie, Marie Curie. Still a hero for you? Uh, yes, actually. After I deep dive her life and her personal life, how she faced all the obstacles, especially from that period of time and mindsets, really impressed me. And, you know, all the novels and all the hard work she made after her, her kids. Like, it's pretty heroic, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. And was this one of the reasons for the direction you've chosen in your career and your life? I guess so. She was one of the reasons. Also, I had a mic. It's so funny, but I think all the things I have been through, it's due to one microscope I had when I was like 10. And when my family bought me that microscope, it like changed my whole life. Suddenly I become to see everything bigger, like my mom's hair, an onion, you know, my sister's blood, like, or a mud in the floor. I was just putting everything to my microscope and looking inside. And it was a really bad microscope, like a kid's microscope, but it changed the way I look at the world. And I couldn't keep seeing everything as is, but I always wondered what's inside. That's why I love asking these questions. You learn so much about a person. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's really interesting. So the final one, dream holiday. What will you be doing and where is it? Oh, I'm in, I'm in between right now because of this corona outbreak. <laughs> I'm in between hiking on a mountain and greens and chilling in a beach with a nice cocktail and a nice book. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, both will be fine. Even in a like a nice coffee in a coffee shop is a holiday right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that. Right. So let's talk, let's talk a little bit before, before we go into the sort of technology and strategy side of things. Let's talk a little bit about your, can you tell our audience a little bit more about your background? 
So my education uh, is bioengineering. And during my studies and after my studies, I worked in multiple startups and I kind of self-educated myself on hardware and software I, in IT, basically. After my bioengineering uh, de- degree, I moved forward with uh, Stanford University for multiple courses that I completed on, on Stanford University campus on entrepreneurship. Also a little bit on epigenetics and diet and nutrition relationships. So it's all over the place, my education, when it comes to my education. My startup life, Vivu, is the fifth startup that I'm involved with. I co-founded some of them. I was the first employee in some of them. But it's like a crazy journey again. But it was always in technology. So, so at which point in your life did you think, okay... I want to do entrepreneurial work as opposed to where a lot of people decide, okay, we're going to join a big company. And instead of going down that path, where did you decide, right, this is what I want to be doing? I'm so funny. Actually, I was in college and I was in this entrepreneurship conference kind of thing that I was listening to this entrepreneur and he was telling his story. And in the middle of that, I decided to basically, I had this idea of, co-working resting spaces for uh, metropole cities, big cities, that people can hang out and work and study. Something like maybe we work, but really, really all like 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago. So I was just, I just decided to follow this idea. And I talked to that entrepreneur that day and asked him some questions. And six months later, I was in the middle of building the startup. I was in hell. I, I didn't know what to do. So I, I got this sponsor. I got these investors. Everything was going well. But I was so scared about what am I going to do because I was alone. And it all felt so big, if you know what I mean, because I was mm. just like 19 years old. And I go back to this entrepreneur guy that I met in the conference who inspired me. And he said, look, if you feel so messed, come work with us and learn first. And then I decided to work with them and leave everything behind from my first company, like let's say company-ish. <laughs> mm-hmm. And after I worked in his company as the second employer, basically, because he was all alone in this whole this period, uh, we started to build this company into a bigger thing. It was an IoT company, like a Google Nest, but for Europe. We were managing homes, workspaces, energy, lightnings, and air conditioning through your mobile phone or a desktop application. Okay. So yeah, it's, it started like this. So you decided to join him for during his startup. What was next for you after that? So after I worked with this company, Smarty, for two years, I applied for a government grant because when I was working in this company, I was still studying bioengineering and I wanted to go back to my field. Biotech was always sounded more excited than uh, hardware like or software or IoT for me. So I wanted okay. to give it a shot. And this government grant for European Union fund that I wrote got accepted. So I, I had granted like 100K for building my own company. So at that point, I talked, of course, the company, the Smarties owners, hey, I'm going, I'm leaving. They were really happy for me that I was moving on because that was our agreement at first. I was going to learn and fly from the nest. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And when I was starting this company, it was a biosensor grant that I wrote 
uh, it was a mobile diagnostic technology for detecting specific diseases on field. And okay. I didn't want to do it alone, like in my first company. So first thing I did was to find my co-founder. And after I found my co-founder, after months of research, the grant was already there. So we, we kick-started with the company. Like we literally start everything from scratch, but with the help of European Union. Yeah. And the entrepreneur that you worked with uh, previously, you, are you still in touch? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, uh, in that, that company, yeah. we went to Series C. Yeah, it, it's still going. They're, they moved to Germany, the headquarters. and It's going well. I'm really happy okay. for them. Yeah. And all this in the, during all this time period, you that this is all in Turkey, correct? Uh, yes, it was all in Turkey after okay. we would uh, my America journey started. Okay, so so the idea with with this next business that you were talking about, where did that where did that idea actually come from? It came from the like the fact that healthcare in general depending a lot to hospitals and laboratories, mm-hmm. and can we create basically uh, affordable and mobile sensors to detect some diseases or run some blood tests, basically. It's a question has been asked maybe so many times by so many people. So uh, back then it was still novel, but it, it, it was, it's been working, like people were working on this for maybe 30, 40 years. So we wanted to take a different approach. We didn't want to follow the human diagnosis Pat and we uh, move forward with animals like diseases like tuberculosis, brucella. Like we wanted to work with animals and animal farms because they have a serious uh, laboratory reach problem. They're always far away from the city. So when they send a sample to city, it takes a week to get back the results. By then, the disease can spread so easily in the farm. So we were targeting cows basically as a target audience. <laughs> So you touched on a very interesting thing there. So you said that some people have been trying to solve this problem for almost 30 years, right? So what gave you the confidence and belief that you, you know, even after so many people have failed or still working on it, that, that you're able to deal with it and fix this problem? I believe this is about like accumulated data and more technologies on that time basically some things like like what we're doing with bivu for example bivu we built two years ago it's going really well it's a mobile app that helps you to make the best decisions based on your body's needs but there's a twist it works with a urine test and you basically pee on a stick and take a picture of it and after that you'll be able to see your hydration levels your ph your ketones and it wouldn't be possible maybe six years ago back then with those mobile phones, those mobile Mm. camera errors. So it's possible and easy now for us technologically, but back then it wasn't possible. And for Vivasense, for our previous company, I somehow believed that it was the right time. Well, I, I don't think the right time still came. There were some fast sensors, rapid sensors that's based on color change and everything. Electrochemical sensors like glucose tests that diabetes patients are performing every day. But the world couldn't get there to perform a quick cancer test at home, basically. Yeah. I hope I'll be there when it happens. Yeah. <laughs> 
So it's so just to kind of fill in the story, what I'm hearing is that you originally started on, you know, testing in the field with, with cows and then you pivoted Vivo into its current state. Is that correct? Is my understanding correct there? Yes, it's the same co-founding team, same team, same laboratory. Uh, we were lucky because we never fundraised in our previous organization for mobile diagnostics. And we had a lot of capital and also resources. So when we decided to do Vivu, follow Vivu as an idea in our minds, uh, we just went to 500 startups and say, hey, like this is a basically a prototype for Vivu. Uh, would you like to invest in this? And we are ready to give up everything we've done for the last couple of years for mobile diagnostic. Because we know it wasn't going anywhere and we could kill more time. We could spend more resources. But we wanted to be honest with ourselves. We need not millions of dollars, but we need tens of millions of dollars to be able to accomplish what we were trying to do. And we were some underdogs from Istanbul. So the time wasn't right. But it doesn't mean it won't be right in the future, right? <laughs> yeah. mm, mm, mm. So talk to me a little bit about the, the strategy, how you came to, you know, decided on the strategy for Vivo. Can you talk to me a little bit, bit about, you know, so your, your marketing strategy? How did you decide that you're going to go down this path? What did you think in your process there? It took like almost one and a half years to like build our strategy. The reason behind that is it's, it's a pretty new market. We, we have to build the market by education, educating people, which is one, which is one of the hardest things. But the uh, upside is there's no competition. So... <laughs> hard market to literally like hard, mar hard market to perform but what we did was we wanted to create a balance between b2b and b2c which means business customers and consumer customers which worked for example right now like uh, there, nobody can make sales to businesses but consumers are booming because everybody's at home and everybody's buying wellness products and hobby products right now from their homes when it comes to B2C consumer strategy, uh, we took a really organic path, which has involved influencers, some paid acquisitions, wellness partners like gyms, yoga studios, etc. For B2B, uh, our main focus is licensing or bulk sales. So licensing, the best example is right now we're licensing the, our product for Japan to a big diagnostic and pharma company that they will be reselling our product in Japan with a Japanese name and Japanese app and everything. So they're paying a licensing fee every year to be able to sell Vivu. Or we have some B2B customers that use Vivu for their employees. So we build a variety of customers portfolio to be able to support each other. B2B supports B2C because B2B customers come back and purchase as consumers and mm -hmm. consumer awareness online and influencers help the B2B customers to make an easier decision. That's very interesting and sort of exciting news with regards to the, the Japan deal. Okay. And <laughs> then, you. like, from your own personal perspective, right? So, I mean, like, you, you, I'm very interested in the personalities of entrepreneurs, right? Because let's face it, it's not an easy ride. It's, it's, a, it's a real roller coaster ride. How do you cope with the stresses, the highs and lows of, of being an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think you learn to live with it. Coping is 
is pretty relative. Like I'm called thanks to my co-founder, to be honest. We have a really balanced relationship. We sometimes argue a lot, but it doesn't matter because we are helping us to manage our stress. We see when we're stressed, when we're demotivated and help the other person to go like uh, come back to the real life and realize this is just a small issue and we will get over with it like we will uh, weather the storm no worries <laughs> together mm-hmm. that's how i do it also i'm trying to sometimes give small breaks i'm trying to manage my time well at nights i'm trying not to work if it's possible at least after 8 9 p.m because i used to work 20 you cannot stop yourself as an entrepreneur. You might, you know, like if an email comes at 10, you need to reply that. I'm trying to slow myself down, especially in the last year. I'm trying to make that separation between my personal life and mindfulness and work. <laughs> These are some things, but, you know, it's a part of this life. And I think entrepreneurs like it. Like, I think there's something like sick, <laughs> this like masochistic thing that we like it. A little bit of addiction there, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so a little bit earlier, you touched on the sort of uh, how the COVID virus is impacting yourselves. Obviously, you can't travel, but you already talked about how people purchase from home now your product. How else has the COVID virus uh, kind of impacted your industry and your business? Well, we have some big challenges right now due to COVID. Supply chain, I think the world's biggest problem like some industries are booming i was just talking to one of our investors right yesterday and she said like companies like blue apron like they were going down you remember maybe (laughs) but now they're boosting but there is another problem supply chain so that's one of our biggest problems right now and let's be honest like most of the things that world is using coming from china and everything got delayed Now everything is coming back together, but there was a huge delay. That was the first problem. Second problem is I really stuck. I'm stuck in Europe. (laughs) I was based in San Francisco uh, with our core team, but we wanted to came here for safety reasons. Basically, we, we like the lockdown and everything in California and how America is going really fastly bad. We're not in Italy or anything. We're in Turkey. So it's pretty safe here right now. But the business kind of like had to stop, especially on the fundraising part or face-to-face B2B sales. These are all stopped. On the other side, on the bright side, consumers are reacting really well for wellness products at this point, especially in digital acquisitions, Facebook, Instagram ads. An example is me, I guess. I'm shopping. I'm an e-commerce addict, I guess. And all I shop was like an exercise, a small exercise equipment, a Pilates kit, (laughs) and some painting brushes and some painting papers, etc. So hobbies and exercise is going well also as well as food industry and groceries online shopping etc yeah Mm, mm, okay okay so let's talk a little bit more about um, vivo so you've already described a bit more that it is basically a wellness wellness app that uses your person's urine to monitor you know and give some advice on you know some recommendations on your nutrition and that type of stuff tell us a little bit more about that well, it, it started really interesting. So we had another company and we were using a lot of 
well as products, wearables, genetic tests, gut tests. There are so many. There were so many tests. They were so expensive. I don't know if you done any of them, or it's like, did, have you done any genetic tests no. or other tests? No. <laughs> yeah. So they're pretty expensive, and when you get your results, you're like, huh, okay, like, yeah, I paid two hundred dollars for this. Mm, like, there is some data on a on a piece of paper on a PDF format or whatever. And uh, you cannot engage that information to your everyday life. You just have to live the fact that you might be Alzheimer's one day. That's the case for me. So that's that's the only data you get. And we said, why don't they help people to go through with their data? How can they play with their data during the day, make some changes, especially for wearables? I was complaining a lot. Like, why doesn't this watch warn me about I didn't walk all day like this, stuff like that. And... A urine test was something I worked when I was working in a hospital back then. I worked also in a hospital in a period of my time in laboratories. Okay. And I saw urine tests were color-changing tests that they were dipping into urine and putting into an optical reader. And it contained a lot of data, like your hydrations, your kidney, your liver, your urinary tract infections, your nutrition, like your pH, your ketones, like so much data, even diabetes data. I said, hey, can we read this with a mobile phone camera? Because if an optical reader reads it, the mobile phone camera can also process the information. And that's how it started. Like, like Steve Jobs says, like connecting the dots. Like if I never worked in a hospital before, if I didn't have a mobile diagnostic company, if I didn't work in IT industry before, I couldn't merge all these together. But we had a good team and we made a prototype and investors loved it like they wanted to get more more professional version of it of course <laughs> so we started to build a real product which took almost a year to launch a little bit more than a year and how, how can people get, get involved I mean, like how do firstly how do can people purchase the pro- product oh we're selling in our website it's vivu.io with double o by the way like vivu like google facebook <laughs> um <laughs> We're selling it for pretty cheap, like a test cost $2.5. The beauty of Vivo is you just sit at your home and order for as low as $10, $9.99 a month, so $10 a month. And your tests come home and you don't have to send anything to anywhere. I also did a lot of tests like this. It feels so uncomfortable. You spit in something, you uh, shit in something, you take your blood and send to somewhere. You, you can just do it here at your home. You just pee on the stick and take a picture with Vivo app you can find easily from iOS and Android from stores. Okay, excellent, excellent. And then from a investor's perspective, you know, because I know uh, I was listening to the Millionaires uh, podcast yesterday. I believe some people can do small investments as well. Is that correct? And how do they go about that? We were doing a crowdfunding in Republic platform, but it's just we reached the maximum funding goal a few weeks ago. Uh, we also closed our seed round with Draper Associates. Thank you so much. So we won't be fundraising for the next six to eight months, but okay. for Series A, yeah, we're looking for really good investors. If you're interested, in, just contact me. I would be happy to talk. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Mirai, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, I know it's very early there oh. in the morning, so um, and I hope you've enjoyed um, having a chat with us. Oh, thank you so much, Ernst. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you for listening to the Tech Leaders Talk Show. If you've enjoyed this episode, please help us by rating the show on your favourite podcast platform. If you do, send a screenshot to our host, Ernst Pauser, on LinkedIn for a shout-out in the next episode. Please reach out if you have any feedback or questions.